and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossmi. With me this week, Matt Rossmi. I can't say my own name. This is the second time this has happened. I've mispronounced my own name twice. With the same way, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm Matt Rossi. Uh, with me this week is Joe Perez. Hi, Joe. Hello. Uh, this weekend was BlizzCon. If you were listening, we did a special BlizzCon show. Um, on the day, uh, I think it was Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday. We did it a BlizzCon. Uh, since then, no new information has dropped because that was the last day of the con. But there's always more to talk about, uh, and I'm sure we will be talking about stuff. I'm going to also give a shout out to our lore watch that we did um, Sunday, the day after the con, where we talked about the that trailer, I'll say. Because I'm going to try and keep this a little spoiler light. I think we're going to have spoilers for BlizzCon in this episode, but yeah. to try and keep it at least a little late. I'll just say that trailer, we talked about that. We went into a deep dive on the characters involved in that. So if you haven't already, give that a listen. And uh, right now, I guess we're just going to move straight into talking about BlizzCon because that was that was what was happening this, this weekend. And it's a pretty big deal, all told. Um, I'm going to say, Joe, why don't you give me your highlight? Like your the things that you thought, wow, this was the, the things that basically were like the, the wow moments for you. Uh, honestly, the biggest wow moment was the one that I was not expecting, which was the rogue being announced for Diablo 4. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting that either, straight up. Yeah, like I, I knew that they were talking about like bringing in some of the older classes, and I was kind of curious if they were going to try to bring in like the unofficial. These were never actually released, but you could get them in there. Like we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast uh, that we did, the, the BlizzCon post one, where like Diablo 1 didn't really have an expansion expansion uh but there were unofficial classes that were in the code that you could actually activate in hellfire uh so you could have like a bard and and stuff like that Uh, and i was kind of curious if they were going to pull from that sort of forgotten bit of lore or not and uh yeah they uh they did not they pulled the rogue which was probably infinitely better the rogue is essentially plays by being the class they chose it means that other classes that people are talking about aren't going to happen because it covers rogue, all of them. Rogue is doing those things. Um, people have talked a lot about the Amazon from Diablo 2. People talk mm-hmm. about the Assassin from Diablo 2. Uh, and this Rogue is basically both of those classes. Which makes sense because those classes were essentially distillations of the Rogue. And for that matter, um, like in Diablo 3, you got the Monk and the Demon Hunter. Mm-hmm. This, again, the Rogue is playing what those classes did. The Rogue is... It's an interesting the the melee ranged hybrid nature of the rogue is really interesting this time around. Um, well, Monk, got, Monk hmm? was one of those throwbacks to Hellfire too because like did, the one that was actually playable. Yes, like you could. Monk was the one that came with Hellfire. Yes. Yeah. Whereas uh, the Barbarian didn't come out in Hellfire. It came out in D two, but it was supposed to. It was in the code. They just didn't use it. Correct. And the Bard was the one that's never showed up at all. The Bard was in the code, and that's it. They've never actually been in the game. But for that matter. With the rogue, I don't see how you'd get a bard at this point. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it, but the classic, the way the bard was designed in, in Hellfire, certainly, and in general, the classic bard does kind of a lot of the same stuff. It's a yeah. skill-based class. I mean, you could make them something where instead of it being a, a like a physical ranged, physical uh, melee hybrid, they could be kind of like a melee with, with like daggers and knives and swords and magic type. You could do that. You could kind of make them a hybrid of the sorcerer and the rogue, but we don't know. I mean, I, I don't see that happening. I think basically, you know, if we're talking about the classes, we're going to get um, either the necromancer or some variation on the paladin slash crusader feels like the best bet in my opinion, um, because the necromancer has a lot of lore reasons why you might want to see it. 
and the paladin slash crusader fills a, a niche that Diablo does really well with that they've they've had they've had in each game since Diablo two, mm-hmm. the holy warrior type. Um, and I think in the past, I think it was Liz who originally said it, and I've I've written a post about it. Like I've suggested them taking the Templar from Diablo 3's uh, followers and making that a full fledged class and using that. That's one possibility. But I, I I think as much as I'd like them to maybe pull the rope the bard in or do something else completely new, because keep in mind every Diablo game up to this point has had new classes in it. Yes. Like Diablo 2 was all new classes. There wasn't anybody who came back from the original Diablo. You could make a case for the sorceress from Diablo 2 and the sorcerer from Diablo being basically the same, but nevertheless they were they felt different enough. And Diablo 3, um let me the the barbarian was a return. The monk was technically a return but felt pretty pretty new in its design. Mm-hmm. Um the witch doctor brand new, the demon hunter brand new. Um, Although art, you could argue that it was definitely DNA from the Amazon on the road. Yeah, but it definitely had its own spin on those things. And assassin. Yeah. The, the wizard, the wizard felt very much not like the sorcerer. No, not at all. Sorceress. And even the ones they brought in, like they brought the necromancer back from Diablo two, and but the crusader, which they brought in as an expansion class, was brand new and felt very different than a paladin. Oh yeah, super super different. So. Uh, Diablo 4, as things stand right now, has nothing new. There are no new classes. So I and they were saying during the show. I don't know if you noticed this. Do you get a chance to watch the uh, the Q and A's and stuff they were doing? No, I didn't catch up on it all. One of the things they kept doing was they kept pointing out. I think it was Louis Baraja, um kept pointing out that, like they they had this idea of like there's always room at the campfire. Yeah, and to me, it sound like they kept saying it over and over again. I kept thinking to myself. Are they going to stop at five? I don't think they're going to. And and I think that's fine because, like, Diablo 2, there were, what, how many playable ca- classes? Like, um, Barbarian, um, Sorceress, Amazon. Rogue. No, yeah, sorry, Amazon. I said Rogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon, Necromancer, and Paladin at launch. Seven. And then Druid and, and Druid and Assassin after the expansion. So, yeah, yeah seven. Cool. And even with... Uh the current Diablo we had uh, like Diablo three added extra classes after like the necromancer came after um, the demon hunter was an original release. I, I can't remember if anything new was released with the expansion. Yes. Uh, Crusader came with the expansion. Was it Crusader that came with the expansion? Yep. Okay. It was a Crusader. And then the necromancer was just released as a separate class. Uh, they just had the rise of the necromancer. This is, patch. this is one of those rare instances where I would not be mad if in order to have a longer term with the game, that they had other content drops like scheduled for it. I think we talked about this, but like you could have expansions or things that release other playable characters. And I think that's fine. And I think the necromancer might've been a test run for something like that uh, because it wasn't a full fledged expansion. It was literally give us this amount of money. We unlock this class for you to play and people ate it up. Like I know I was definitely one of them. The Necromancer was popular for a lot of reasons. I think to a certain degree it was also popular because some people just did not grok the Witch Doctor and they wanted something did the same kind of summoner thing. So that's the thing about right now, Diablo Diablo 4, what it doesn't have is any of that that summoner type magic. Uh, Technically it does, the Druid. Druids in this, the Druid is much more of a shapeshifter who does area effect magic damage. There's not a lot of summons as of yet, at least when I when I did the when I did the beta. Keep yeah. in mind that you know that they hadn't even designed the skill trees yet. Yeah, as so, I say, because I remember because back in Diablo two, I I played the uh, hell of a lot of the, Druid. They did not play the same. No, that's just up front. I'll just but tell it, you right now. 
but it was always felt like an aspect of it was that the summoning, you know, fun and useful. I don't know if they're going to have that in this. If they don't, then you're looking at the Necro as a possibility to bring in summoning because it's been part of the, every, the class in every version that it's been. But there's lots of lore reasons why you'd want to bring Necromancers in. There's also lots of lore reasons why you might not want to uh, in Diablo 4. And I'm not going to like belabor that if you guys want Diablo 4 spoilers for a game that hasn't even come out yet. Um, yeah, we, we know that Lilith is the main archvillain and we know that there's a chance that uh, Lenarian slash Rathma is helping her and he is the inspiration for the priests of Rathma, which means that all necromancers are essentially in a group that thinks Rathma is keen. So if he is helping Lilith, it's possible that the entire priesthood of Rathma is now on his side. And they would have reason to be because the entire reason that the World of Sanctuary is in such crap state in Diablo 4 is because Malthiel killed most of the people in the world. Mm -hmm. And basically that would be, you know, the whole point of necromancers are to, are to, you know, maintain balance. Life and death are supposed to be in balance, but death is clearly way out of balance. So you could see them go, okay, we could bring Lilith back. That makes sense. Sure. Why not try to rebalance the world that way? So I don't know. We don't know. We don't know yet, but that's interesting. Uh, anything else though? Like what, what are their high spots for you? I mean, that really was my high spot. I definitely enjoyed the the WoW 9.1 cinematic. I enjoyed the fact that they talked more about patch 9.0.5. In particular, I enjoy the fact that we're probably going to actually get some of balancing, or at least attempt therein, uh, including trying to shift uh, Loot Vault a little bit to make it a little more accessible, uh, which is good because I I, I think Liz coined this phrase in our, our raid group, and I think it's stuck. Uh, the vault is kind of like the feel bad box right now, uh, because every time I open it, I just feel bad. <laughs> uh, so anything that makes that a little bit better to to as far as like player yeah. rewards go, I'd be happy about it. That reminds me of the Torghast discussion too, because one of the points they made was that right now, if you're a player, if you if you actually fail at a Torghast run, um, and that happens as you go up into higher higher levels, especially if you're doing the twisting corridors, failing at Torghast feels abominable. Like losing all your lives, getting to that point where the the Tarragor shows up and and you get you know he gets past you, he kills you, and now you can't finish the dungeon. Like you mm-hmm. can't get to the next floor. That does feel absolutely terrible. I've had it happen to me three times. Uh, the first couple times was when I was first discovering Torghast, but I had it happen to me fairly recently during the event where you're supposed to, like the chorus of the dead or whatever it's called the dead chorus one. Cause I just straight up, I did not get that ability that I did not like it. It did not work for me at all. I did much better. My wife and I did much better. We finished it. Um, not doing that when we were doing it, 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 we wiped, we wiped in, in the Terragrew spot. It was the first time I'd seen him in a long time. So I was like, Oh God, the Terragrew, uh, that does feel really bad. And especially when it's a higher level one where you like been pushing and you're just not getting the anima powers. That's the other problem with the uh, the Chorus of the Dead event, in my opinion, was that all the powers were like, either they were for the Chorus of the Dead thing, which, you know, uh, I wasn't having fun with, or they were pretty terrible animal powers. And that just happens sometimes. You just, you know, it's the animal powers you get in Torghast are your RNG. They are your loot luck. Yeah. Because there's no loot. The, the loot is weird new powers. And if you don't get anything really good, like there's one power I got once I thought was great. It sounded so awesome. It was like you do tons of, you do like a massive amount of shadow damage with your attacks, but you can't move backwards. Yeah. That, I've, I've had ones like that too, or the ones where you can't jump or the ones where your jump goes super far. The super far jump one I'm fine with. I think that's actually fun and useful. 
the one where you can't jump is nothing. It doesn't really affect me one way or the other. But the one where you can't go backwards, you'd be amazed how many times you will be trying to back up and that you can't. You have to run in a circle to get out of something. It is a lot. And it is surprising how fast that will kill you. That one killed me more times than I could count. And I've learned never take that one. No matter how tempting that extra shadow damage is, don't take that power. But that's the RNG of Torghast. And so having, if you just don't get the animal powers and you end up wiping, like when you're up on like, you're, you you decided to run like a level eight and you're on like the last floor and your boss is just crushing you because you just didn't get the animal powers. Yeah, I could see that being something that really bothers people. And so I think they should they should make some kind of mechanic for it where, you know, you you never get nothing for participation. Getting nothing in, in WoW is always the worst feeling. Um, what, and getting nothing, you were talking about the feel-bad box. That's because you ultimately got nothing. Because even though it, there's an item, it, nine times out of ten, the item is one you already have. Yeah, so, and, and I was kind of talking with PD and Chad a little bit about it, but, like, my personal experience with it so far has been, like, today, I opened up my chest, I got... Or open up my vault. I got a chest that was 13 eye levels lower than the one I was wearing and the same one. A pair of bracers that was 13 eye levels lower than the one I was wearing and the same one that I was already wearing. And a ring that would have made me lose 200 crit, which that doesn't sound a lot in context of like the last expansion, but in this expansion, four or five crit gain is kind of a big deal. And then losing 200 of it as a restoration shaman is just like, well, I guess that's just a thing that I just don't even bother looking at. Like it just doesn't feel good. Uh, And the problem is part of it is accessibility. Uh, If you're not full clearing castle Nathria every week, you don't get that third loot slot, uh, which they're now rolling that back. Um, so they're rolling it back. So I think it's going to go at three, six, nine instead of four, seven, ten, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that opens it up for another chance at rolling something. Uh, I don't know. One of the, we were talking about it today. The other thing that I'm, I'm kind of wondering if they're going to start balancing out is, um, the, you mentioned this before and I, I kind of didn't really take it to heart, but now that I'm in the, the crux of or the, like the heat of it and in the middle of it. I'm going to go back and say, yeah, you were right that coins are because at least you could target and you can't target this either. It's hierarchy of the loot table, the content. So and because the the floor is never removed from the roll when the item is generated, you have the potential of even when you're doing really good content or medium content of hitting that real low level of loot. And then not having anything useful, it feels bad on top of stuff that loot's already hard to come by. And I'm not saying that loot's the only reason to play the game, but it is a compelling argument. You know, even World of Warcraft isn't Diablo, but it is an MMO. And, and yeah. gearing up and getting better gear, it, it opens up stuff to you and makes the game easier. It's one of the reasons that people constantly tell you, well, you only, you only solo or you only do stuff. You don't need better gear. It's like, yeah, I do. I do need better gear because I need to be able to actually just do this stuff. The more time-limited people are, the more they come to realize how gear is literally a time saver. The better your gear is, the faster you can do things. Um, Say you want to do one of those world quests that's like it recommends three people to go clear this area to get 250 anima. You can do that. You can go into a group finder and pick up a group and maybe you can do it and maybe not. Or if your gear is suddenly like item level 200, now like I go and do those by myself. I don't get two people. I just go do them because my gear is good enough that I can go do them. It's And that's the thing. That's the, the tax. It's faster and easier for me than it is for somebody whose gear is just less good. 
And people whose gear is better than mine can do it even faster. And that's part and parcel of MMOs. You just kind of have to stop thinking that good gear is only for people who are pushing progression content. A lot of times progression content is cleared by people whose gear wasn't as good. Yeah. Uh, trying to think how to phrase this. Uh, to Padilla, to your, to your comment, you, you say that you still feel like WoW does a really good job of giving good enough to do what you want. I think that's partially true. I actually think that at this point, and, and I'm not saying that it's not going to get better, because they're obviously looking at how that's working. Um, I I think that the way that they're delivering it is improved a little bit, especially with like World Quest item level bumping with Renown and stuff like that. That makes sense. But if you don't get things that give you the stats you want, your chosen role becomes Null. Uh, and I and feel- with stats, also, there is something to keep in mind that stats are different now. Very different. Like, as you get to a certain point, like as you approach certain breakpoints, the, the cost of stat increases becomes exponential. And there's just no point to trying to push the stat above a certain point. So, you're not going to get your, you, you know, you'll hit a point where you just, there's no point to getting any more crit, and you might as well go for like for haste or for versatility or mastery or whatever. But think about how it then feels when crit is your best and, stat still, and you're going to lose it. Yeah, you know, it's it's a situation where getting my crit to this this useful point. Now you're pushing a stat. You're you're pushing versatility on me, and versatility is not a good stat for my particular class. And plus, I'm going to hit diminishing returns on it because I'm I'm getting so high on versatility, and I can't get crit to save my life. And that's the stat I need. I'm, and that's just a that's a hypothetical. I'm for for me right now. I think. Uh, haste and mastery are two of my best. Crit's up there, but haste and mastery are two of my best. But it's just interesting. It is interesting how they've. I think to a certain degree they were a little too conservative with gear this expansion. I, I, I and I agree, but I think they're looking at it, and I think that was the other highlight for me is that when they're talking about what they're looking at doing, correcting, and and they're looking at distribution. It, it, I'm not upset that right now. I, I'm not going to sit there and kick my feet and throw sand and rocks and say no, this is not good at all. It, it's the way that I've, I've phrased it is they have really good ideas that are almost there, and they just kind of go that little last step. And it feels like they're tweaking and trying to find that balance. And that makes sense. And I, I, have, I hope that they will. One thing I will say that I was a little disappointed to hear. Um, there were two things that they said that are not going to be happening that made me sad. The first is we're not getting any any allied races this expansion. They're not getting any new races of any kind. And new, 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 eh, no new customization. The other thing. That was number two. Um, so you stole my other thing, Joe. Thank you're, you. You're welcome. I'm, I'm leaving. You host the show. Um, but I, I, I get to a certain degree. I understood their arguments. I understood the concept of you know where where we had to like switch footing. Uh, that we had wanted to focus on actually delivering people content and and handling the issues. And as cool as those things are, we we produced we we did give you a bunch of new customization. And there are a lot of races in World of Warcraft right now. And they're right. There's I think there's eight allied races. Yeah, and, and then, they all came out relatively quick, all things considered. Yeah, and there's there's eight more allied races, and that's added onto the already like I think each faction has five, if not six. I can't remember all of them. So there's there's a fair amount of races to play in World of Warcraft. If you if you want to play, like we're at the point where if you want to play a shadowy elf, you can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean that we there's four different written groups of elves in this game right now. Um, there's a bunch of dwarves. There's a bunch of trolls. There's a bunch of tauren. There's a couple varieties of human running around, like a couple different types of gnomes running around. Like there's there's a lot of variety. Yeah, there's a fair a fair chunk of customization. So I get that. I, I'm I am saddened by it. Like there's stuff I wish that had come along, but I get it. Now, I, 
Now, the other thing to, to keep in mind is depending on how things go or how long this expansion is or what content the future holds, that answer may change. That answer did change in the past. Don't forget. Like, they were able to deliver allied races quicker than they expected on a bunch of those as well because they were using uh, in-game animations already. They already had rigging set up for them. Uh, so, I mean, maybe later on down the line we'll start to see something about it. Also... I mean, what other allied races do we really want at this point besides snake people? Like, I know, and Tuscar, because cool. I will, that's a hill I will die on. Very cool. We have humans. Very cool. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You get Very cool, I get Tuscar, everybody's. <laughs> but, but there are... No, I, I, I understand it. I, I don't, you know, there, there's this, the stubborn the stubborn person in me is like, but I wanted to get the, the ogres from, from Draenor. I wanted to get, like, the, you know, the... the, the the ogre empire guys wanted to see them in in a, in, a, in their weird Roman armor and their stu- their their weird everything. They were cool. I wanted to see those guys in the horde. But I get their point, and I think that to a certain degree, it's like you. It felt really ultimately the Maghar felt strange in in Battle for Azeroth. Their their entrance into Battle for Azeroth didn't really connect with anything, and part of that could have just been the fact that they already had Maghar they could have used, mm-hmm. like have to be Magar from, from alternate Draenor. They could have just been ones from Outland. We have Magar there too. Uh, they could have been the ones to join and it would have been pretty simple to, you know, they just join. <laughs> but ultimately I think they didn't do that because they wanted to introduce the Magar, but they also wanted Outland to be Thrall's hiding place. And if the Magar orcs from Outland joined, then it would be kind of hard for our Thrall to hide where he was. Cause they'd be like, Oh yeah, Thrall, I saw him the other day. Yep. It's a farm now. So I get that. But, I just I don't know I, I liked I liked allied races I thought they were one of the cooler things of of late Legion most of Battle for Azeroth and the customization stuff they did give us a lot we got I mean here I am on my my new night elf with her sombra haircut and her missing eye and her facial scars so yeah they gave us a lot and I'm super happy with that they gave us do I want more yes I always want we're more. always going to want more that's inevitable but. I get why they're like, look, we just dumped a ton of that on you. Give us, let us do some other stuff for a while. We have an art team. We'd like the art team to actually be able to design these raid fights we have, rather than sticking them in the, in the salt mines, digging up another hairstyle for you. Um, so yeah, I get that as well. It is disappointing to me, but I understand it. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's really not much else to say about that. I think because again, we it's what I expect. So. Yeah. Um, though, I mean, I'm going to say, do you have anything else you want to talk about from BlizzCon or should we move on to answering some of these questions? Many of which are about BlizzCon. Uh, the other, the other thing that I, I expected, but was very happy about was the, uh, retro arcade collection type deal that they put out. Uh, like that was actually really cool because I was actually digging out some of my older game systems to play them. Uh, cause I actually really liked the Lost Viking games. Uh, that makes sense. so like seeing them not only show up and release on, all the the gaming platforms uh, simultaneously, but see it in the Blizzard launcher, uh, the Battle.net launcher was actually pretty cool uh, and made me very happy. Like it's just a really, it was a really nice unexpected. That's all I got. So if we want to do some emails, we can definitely do some emails. Yeah, we should move on and do some emails. Um, hopefully also if you see anybody in chat, you know, oh yeah, talk, grab it. But if you have a question for the show, guys, uh, we have various ways you can get it to us. First is to email us at podcast. You know, podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Subject line podcast at blizzardwatch, so we know it's for this show. Um, this week was primarily podcasts. We were finally, our email questions. Um, that's just how it shakes out sometimes. But if you happen to have a question you don't want to send through email, we have a queue 
podcast, you know, Q and podcast questions channel for patrons on our Discord, and a Q questions channel that's not for patrons. That's just for anybody who wants to use our Discord. Uh, those are both available. You can ask questions there as well. Um, obviously, we like to give first crack to our patrons because that's kind of one of the reasons, one of the benefits they get for being patrons. And if you'd like to be a patron, you can go to blizzardwatch.com slash Patreon and you can sign up, which would help us, you know, helps us do this show, helps us do other shows, helps us do stuff like the special Sunday show, Saturday show we did. So yeah, think about that. Um, if you don't mind, Joe, you usually read them for us, so you could read them for us now. Yeah, not at all. Uh, first email. Hello, watchers. My name is Narin. I chose to main a Guardian Druid for this expansion, and I love the TE as much as PvP. However, I did not choose Ardenweld as my Covenant, since, given the fact that I'm taking almost exclusively, I thought the Kyrian ability was more protective for me and my party. Now that we're months into the expansion, I have a very strong feeling that I chose poorly. I get asked if I can uh, convoke a lot, or why would I not choose it since I, it's so clearly OP, even after the nerfs. I like my Covenant story. I know from Joe's comments that the Ardenweld story is also very engaging, but I really don't like the feeling that there was only one real choice for a druid and it was not the one I took nor do I like have the idea of having to change it due to in-game I apologize for the long email but this is a subject I wanted to get off my chest and I thought maybe you would too. Have a very nice day and thanks for all the work. Uh, thank you very much Naren and this is a good do you want to go first before I start? I, I'll, say, I'll say right up front. Um, I feel you. I did choose Night Fae but um, for a DPS warrior Venthyr is the best. Uh, and I did not choose Venthyr. Nightfae is, luckily for me, it's almost as good, but it is not as good. Uh, Venthyr have the ability to uh, Condemn, and Condemn is just like a huge heap of damage. It's just great. And if there's a DPS warrior, I really should have gone with Venthyr. But I'm playing a Night Elf, and I felt like I wanted my Night Elf to see the story of the Nightfae. I wanted to see what happened with the people who died in Teldrassil. I wanted to see what was going on with Taranda. For all those reasons, I took Nightfae, and so I get kind of annoyed when people are like, well, you, you know, why didn't you take the right faction, the right covenant? It's like, I took the covenant I wanted to take. Um, if, if, and it is, it's always going to be hard to balance these kind of things. That's absolutely always going to be the case. It's always going to be hard to balance new abilities that are not... The, the problem with the, the, the faction abilities is they're, they're linked to your class. For instance, you're talking about you know, Convoke. That's Convoke the Spirits, I believe. It's, that's a Druid ability. It's a Druid Night Fae ability. Mm -hmm. And so... Joe is Night Fae and I'm Night Fae, but we play very different classes, so we get different abilities as well. Yep. Think about how many abilities this is. There's 36 specs in the game. Like, e even if the ability, like, for instance... Even if there's, even if there's like, spec overlap or ability yeah. overlap, it's still a lot. You're, you're still talking about four factions, 12 classes. So even if you're, you know, you just have the same abilities for, like, every class and it doesn't matter what they're doing, uh, you're looking at, you know, 12 times four. Yeah. That's... that's 48 potential abilities. That's a lot of abilities. I mean, again, some of them overlap to, you know, they're not all like, they're not all class specific. I don't think I don't honestly don't know every single, uh, you know, ability because there's just so many of them and it, it really doesn't matter to a degree. Yeah. It's just it, the idea of balancing all that. It's always going to be a pain and there's always going to be a clear winner. Even and if the clear winner is very small, it's that's going to be declared the winner. And that's going to be the one everyone pushes for. Because I, this is the, the secret. People make the mistake of thinking that because top people who progress the furthest in Mythic Plus, people who do the, the highest level rating in the world, people who do because they they sit down and min-max every advantage and crush everything out. 
that every player should be doing that. And that's absolutely unnecessary nine times out of 10. If you are doing, say, 300 DPS less than a different character doing a different, you know, your class, because you picked the wrong, you know, the quote unquote wrong conclave, it really doesn't matter as long as things die and you get through the the run. But people never want to hear this. I think, uh, was it Ted? Ted. It was either Ted or Corey that wrote the article about how people overwhelmingly pick the top con- the top uh, one. Well, maybe might have been Corey. I don't know. If Corey, if it's you, speak up. I know you're here. But anyway, <laughs> continue. I think that's basically my point. Just that you know, I don't I don't enjoy that experience. I don't like be people like you know. I've had conversations. With, there's like two other DPS warriors in my raid who are like, you know, you didn't go vent there. I'm like, no, I want uh, I went night. See, and that's one of the things like. <sighs> I like my my raiding guild because of that because nobody was pressured to anything regarding that and pressured they were just surprised and even and well and I, that, there wasn't even a surprise because like you know hunters uh, I think uh, Ardenweld is like their best uh, and like one of our hunters went to Gothtown because that's what she likes and nobody was surprised by it. And, and but like, nobody cares either. It, it That's what I kind of like about it. But like, I don't know before I, I'm going to, I'm going to start ranting. So if there's anything else you want, I've said my piece right now, I might, I might come in, to, in response to what you have to say, but that's yeah. what we do. Before, so I'm, I'm just, I'm so angry at how like the player base latches on to the little differences and what a big deal they make out of it. I've actually been denied entry into pug mythic groups as a healer because I wasn't the Maldraxxus covenant. They're like, you don't have this ability. We're not taking you. And it's like, what does that even have to do with anything? But people latch on to these ideals. And at the end of the day, it ultimately doesn't matter. The margin between the two of them uh, or between the abilities isn't large enough for the average player to really have a discernible difference. And like, at the end of the day, I'm one of those play what makes you happy. Who cares what anybody else says about what you play? I've played specs that people have told me have been terrible, but they're fun. And so I do it and play in a game and I play a game. I don't know. Wild concept to have fun. And I don't care about min maxing when it comes to those little tiny things. Do I try my best when I'm healing in raid? You bet your sweet bottom I do. Uh, 100% I will give my all, but I'm not going to worry about if I do this, I can do 1% more healing. That's not who I am anymore. I just want to have fun. I like the aesthetic. I like the story. I like what I'm doing. And if somebody gives me gruff for it, congratulations. Welcome to my block list. I don't care. Anymore. You don't exist. To me. I don't have time. For, uh, you know, I may be a little overly passionate about this concept, but I'm an adult. I work a lot of hours, and when I play a game to have fun, I don't want somebody else breaking down my choices of, well, you should have done this, and this would have been better. Because at the end of the day, it's my character, my story for my character in my head, my gameplay for my character. Now, nothing, I I don't think any of the Covenants are so demonstrably bad for any of the classes that they're just completely unplayable. And that is saying something, considering that there are 36 specs uh, across all of the characters that you can possibly have that need to have some form of ability or interaction with the Covenant abilities. So that's good on them, the fact that they, they made them where they're all playable. They're all, they all can be enjoyable. You're not going to, you know, lose out by picking one over the other unless you care about the story. <sighs> I just wish players wouldn't grasp onto it. because Covenants are becoming, to me... Like what Raider IO has was in the past or what in the past. Like I, I just 
Play what you want. Have fun with this game. Have fun with the time that you are playing this. And don't pay attention to people that are trying to tell you that you're doing it. Sorry. Please continue. <laughs> I thought I pretty much said what I was, what I had to say. I think in general, for those of us who've played the game for a while, there's been multiple times when this has come up in different ways. I tanked in Burning Crusade. Mm-hmm. So as a warrior tank in Burning Crusade, here's what the first half of that expansion felt like. Are you a paladin or a druid? No, we'd really rather not have you. And then we they got from like dungeons where paladins and druids absolutely owned it because they did way more AOE threat than the warriors, so they didn't necessarily need CC. You could CC less and you could burn stuff down faster because the tanks could hold threat faster. And so everybody could just throw as much AOE damage as they wanted on things till everything died. Warriors couldn't hold threat like that because we couldn't even we couldn't even thunderclap in defensive stance for the first half of that expansion. If when Burning Crusade Classic comes out, guys, you have no idea the bullet you've dodged because you are getting the you're getting the last patch when the, when that got patched in, so you could thunderclap in any stance. Beginning of that expansion, you could only thunderclap in defensive stance. No, you couldn't thunderclap in defensive stance. That's my bad. Sorry. So you would like have to switch to to battle stance and hit thunderclap and then switch back to defensive stance. The the primary tanking ability of warriors wasn't one they could use in defensive stance. That's correct, guys. But then then as the expansion went on. Suddenly, people were doing raids, and their their paladin and druid tanks were getting destroyed because they didn't have shield block, so they couldn't push the boss, the massive boss attacks off of the table and not take the damage. So these tanks. Now imagine you're a paladin tank and you were tanking in BC, and you 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 became main tank for your raid because you could hold so much threat, and you go into Karazhan thinking, yeah, I finally got to be main tank, and then in two weeks they bench you for a warrior. That they carried through dungeons because he couldn't hold threat in them. But they bench you so that this warrior can come in and tank that boss because the warrior can just hit one button and that massive attack that the boss does won't hurt him. Think about how that felt. Yeah. And that happened to a lot of people. It happened to, and so it felt bad for everybody. It felt bad for the warriors who were like, you know, I'm trying my best and I just can't hold threat in this dungeon. Or I, you know, people are going to have to give me a little more time and they won't. And then, you know, you've got the, the, the tanks that, that did tank those dungeons getting told, well, it was nice of you to get us to this point, but we're in raid content now, so you can sit down again. And yep. that was, and a lot of that was player perception. Mm-hmm. Because really, warriors could tank those dungeons. It just needed to go a little slower. Not a lot slower, a little slower. And paladins and druids could tank those bosses. They just needed a little bit more babysitting from the healer. Not a lot more babysitting, just a little bit more. And there were plenty of guilds that didn't bench their tanks. They, you know, he's been our main tank forever. He's staying our main tank. Or, you know, th- that tank, you know, stepped up and led us through those dungeons. We're not going to sit him now because they were friends and they didn't, you know, they were they were more concerned with raiding with their friends than they were with absolute maximum theoretical peak performance. Theor- theory crafting is great. People who do it are great. It's wonderful that we have theory crafting. But we have this notion that your raid has to have absolute maximum everyone has been in a group where there's that one guy who is constantly criticizing everybody for not doing things the absolute optimal way and it's like dude could you shut up it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't matter if if we as long as we kill things that's all that counts and if we're not killing things half the time we can make an adjustment without telling someone they should switch to a different class like and and i've seen this over and over again i saw this in like you know Mr. Pandaria with Death Knights and Paladins who could like absolutely avoid some of the damage that the, like what was that stupid Triceratops's name? Hordon? Paladins could cheese yeah. Hordon so easy. Yep. 
And they could, you know, using their abilities, they could push the debuff off and she and completely cheese it. And that that didn't feel great. But it's just like these things come and go. Saying that, you know, you have a tank who's not a paladin that you should, you know, your druid tank should totally roll a paladin for this one fight. Are you for real? And that's what the covenant discussion feels like to me a lot of the time. Yeah. It's like, you know, you should switch covenants. It's like, you know, I, I don't want to switch covenants. I don't want to have to like regain renown and start that all over again. I don't, you know, no. Yeah. And I mean, so, and it's up to us to decide like if how we're going to spend our time and is really what it boils down to. And, and at the end of the day, I would rather, instead of debating these, sit there and tell me that a percentage of a difference difference between this ability and that ability makes all the, the difference in a run succeeding or failing. I'm sorry, I don't have time for it. And if you are doing something that makes you, if you enjoy your covenant choice uh, as a guardian, if you like being a Kyrian uh, in the Kyrian covenant with your guardian druid, keep doing it. If it brings you happy, if it brings you happiness and makes you smile, there is so little of that in this world right now. Hold on to it while you can. Be that, be that wonderful memory forgetting Kyrian uh, savior that you can be. I believe in you. <laughs> All right, I think we'll move on yeah, to the next. <laughs> Uh, hey there, uh, thinking about the deal Bomb Zombie made with King Rastakhan. Uh, it pledged the bloodline to, well, all monarchies that I know of, the line follows to the male side. So if Talanji gets married and has a boy, then the line is from the father to the son, and the used car salesman is cut out of it. Evil laughter. So go kid. Uh, uh, that's all. That's um, not how I, that works. <laughs> yeah, that's... At least not in this context. For for one thing, I don't know that the trolls have ever just have never set up that they are matrilineal or patrilineal. I don't um, think they care. Yeah, I don't. That and secondly, it's a fantasy world. It's not like you know, it's not you know England following the Salic law and, and the whole deal with Henry V, whether or not he should get to be king of France because his ancestry was female and the Salic law said that you can't inherit from a, from a woman. That was a specifically French law. That's not. That's not all bloodline laws. It's not every period of time. And it's certainly not every fantasy world. Uh, bon Samedi meant, you know, every, any, every single one of your descendants who becomes king or queen. Does it have your blood in it? If yes, then apply this pack. <laughs> now, you can make an argument about whether or not Rastakhan gets to make that pledge and whether or not anybody should be for, should be expected to go along with it. If I were Talanji, I, I mean, Talanji has since dealt with Juan Samdi and they've made their own sort of accommodations, but she could very easily have made the point, uh, he doesn't get to speak for me. You know, he, he's king, but he's not my master. I'm not a slave. He doesn't own me and he doesn't get to make bargains for me. And that could have been a problem had they not dealt with it. They, they came to their own accord on the issue. Yeah, and if, uh, what's his name, hadn't been uh, dead now. Uh, Low of Kings. Razan? Razan, yeah, thank if Raz- you. If Razan hadn't been dead and it had been a deal with Rastakhan while that was st- he was still around, whole different story probably. But also it was a beneficial argument for Bwam Samdi because, well, what other Loa is really around right now? That's his position as powerful. Bwam uh, Samdi got to be got to make that deal and got to have it stick because the alternatives were not great. But we've seen in the past um, Loa don't, aren't, um, aren't all powerful. And if they annoy their followers enough, this is the thing I don't think Mazala understood. Mazala was kept, was banking on the jailer ultimately backing him up. And so he'd get to be the all-powerful Loa of death because the jailer would be there providing, like, you know, force to, to multiply his abilities. But other Loa have gotten too big for their britches and have paid for it. Mm. Go up, look at Zoldrak sometimes. Even, like, like Mamtoth. Mamtoth is 
gone. Man- Mantoth isn't just dead. Mantoth- Consumed. Mantoth blew itself up to prevent them from doing that to um Another one that uh, I want to say Quetzalan, but I can't remember if it's Quetzalan or Kulan. The, uh, the, there's a Wind Serpent one up in Zoldrak who created a pocket realm and is torturing her former high priest in it for eternity. And uh, Quetzalan, yeah. Quetzalan, yeah. And so there's like there's some back and forth on that. You know, the, the, the troll lower relationship is a contentious one. Um, so, yeah, that could have gone very differently. But it, it but he meant, you know, he obviously uh, he honestly meant. You know, whoever your successors are, as long as they're descended from you, you and everybody related to you who who sits on that throne, as who's who he's talking about. Um, you could make the case that Talanji could run it by adopting, because that would definitely not be of the bloodline. Although it then begs the question of of is intent. You get into the weird like wish spell, uh, genie wishing type thing. Of is it the intent of the word, or does it actually mean bloodline? Is it the name? There, there's a weird area that you can get into, but I, I don't think it's going to be a, a thing that Talanji would easily be able to weasel out of by doing nothing. As a matter of fact, it should also be pointed out that uh, Talanji, as of uh, Shadows Rising, has a different type of agreement with Wamsamd. Like they're sort of renegotiated what their relation. It's not blind devout worship anymore. It's not the you bow down to me and do what I say, little priestess. It's a little more. Oh yeah, she could probably do something to me. Maybe we should stop antagonizing her just a little bit. Uh, and it's a little more, almost like an agreement between. I don't want to say equals, but it might as well. Like they they're reaching a whole new accord. So. Yeah, like a patron and somebody who's accepting their patronage. Yeah, it's a warlock and a dark and a, the dark pact essentially. Like it's it's how that works. But I think that answers that question. I think we can move on to the next one, which is all about bags. Uh, hello, I had a question about bags. Is there a reason bags have stopped regularly getting bigger? Um, I'm going to skip over the list of comparative bags because it's a long, long list. Uh, but for most of the expansions up until Warlords of Draenor, Battle for Azeroth area, they were growing in size and we're now sort of capped out at 30 to... Uh, now, thankfully, Blizzard made most gear usable for both spe- both specs a couple X-Packs ago. I run Tank Heal, for example, so that I was able to reclaim some bag space. But I still have to have trinkets and some swap-out gear, plus a portal flare items. Plus, in this expansion, I'm constantly getting bags full of six types of fish, meat, herbs, or in skins. Plus 18 different anima items. Fills the bags up fast. And we've been stuck with 30-ish slots since... How do you guys feel about the bags? It's just from uh, Concerta from Raven. Do you care about bags? I'm up to 32 slots, and I... I don't think I had 32 slots before this expansion. Um, I think the only 32 slot bag they had in Battle for Azeroth was the one that dropped at the very end, wasn't it? Uh, imbued deep sea bag was. Uh, it was not a drop, but it was a pain in the rear to get. Their 32 slot bags are fairly easy to get now. I'm all 32s. Yeah. So I mean, there was a bag that some people had, but now you can pretty much get it fairly easily. Uh, I remember the Papa's brand new bag. Everybody went nuts for that thing, and that was a 32 slot, right? Yeah, I want to say. Yeah, the the one that you that came from the event just before uh, Shadowlands came out. Uh, pretty sure that that was a thirty-two slot bag. I think to a certain degree that it's just come down to I don't know how to put this. It, it's like after a certain point, you know, slots. Thank you to be thirty-four was that bag. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so yeah, so I think thirty-four is currently the top when you can get in this expansion, but I don't have it. Um, I have thirty-two because I just I did the math. I have uh, the bags I have have four times eight. So, you know, eight rows, four rows, eight columns. So, yeah, I think 
that, that it basically comes down to that the, the top bag of every expansion seems to be a bit bigger than the previous one, and it seems to be the biggest one there is. Uh, the Artificer. I, I, bag space used to be a real big deal for me until I started actually getting rid of stuff. Like, if you look at it, they've been positioning this game to allow you to have more bag space with not having to increase bag slots uh, for a while. Stuff getting added to transmog so you don't have to gear around unless you are a sentimental digital pack rat like I am and have a bank full of stuff that you will never wear but you will always transmog into. Um, they've given you uh, a reagent skill bank as well now so that you can have a separate place to store that. We still have void storage out there. Uh, which I don't even know if people still use. I mine is full. I actually need to go and look what's in it. Cause I remember, um, but it's one of those the things where I talked about it last week, where the larger number of items you have stored on your character, the bigger your file is, and then the bigger your file is, the more load that is when you try to load your character, etc. Same principle. So if they keep increasing bag slots, people like me are just going to keep shoving more things into it and never get rid of them. And the next thing you know, you're wondering why I can't loot and things are going to the postmaster because I basically just don't get rid of it. So I'm trying to, they're, they're, they're doing things and putting systems in to encourage us to get rid of things so that we can transmog into it. There's the tabber tab now. There's the pet collection tabs. There's the mount tabs. You don't know. I still remember when mounts were an item you kept in your bag. Like we've come a long way and yet maybe bigger bags would be nice. But at the end of the day. They've given us enough compelling reasons, I think, to, to not just have bags full for the sake of being. I have the most bag slots now that I've ever had, in, and I don't know what to do uh, because I don't know what bag space is. And the, but it's also because I don't have to carry that stuff around with me anymore because toys are being added as toys now and grown tab and, and everything else. I don't know. We might see another bag increase later on. Uh, they just increased uh, the backpack not too long ago, right? Went from 14 to 16, I think. Wouldn't go to sixteen. That would or be sixteen a, to eighteen, something like that. I mean, yeah, you know, without counting, it's four times five. I actually have twenty. I think. Yeah, twenty. Four, eight, eight, sixteen. Yeah, I have twenty slots in my backpack. Yeah, but I know they just recently increased that, and then if you're Volpera, you get even more. Like it's there's some cool. I I don't know. I got nothing. But don't feel too strongly about bags. Other than that, anything else you want to add to that one, Matt? Oh, well, in general, like I said, they they've been going up slowly, but it tends to be along the lines of. The absolute biggest bag of the previous expansion tends to be the easily, the the relatively easily gotten, but high-end bag of the next expansion. Uh, and I think that's fine. Yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, our next question. Hi, guys. I just watched BlizzCon and came away very disappointed. I understand how hard COVID has been and can only imagine the delays. They say that they do not want to misspend dev time, but one example I'm particularly pleased with, a unique undead DK skin tone that they could easily make available to all classes. In the expansion of death, I can't imagine why they would not allow as much customization as possible. That is just one example that would require very little dev time. Imagine how many more there are. Unlocking particular trans transmog restrictions based on race could be another. Let my Night Elf Warriors Warglade. Uh, they could have done better. Love always. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there. Um, you, we have a nasty tendency of thinking implementing a lot of changes is easy, but it's not. Go back and listen to some of our older podcasts where we make jokes about, oh, they updated the current expansion and now Alduar is broken again because that's what happens. And when you do stuff, even with something as simple as skins, skins aren't necessarily an easy thing. And I, I, I've learned a lot more about this recently just from 3D printing and, and dealing with mesh work and stuff like that. It is really, really easy to blow out the mesh like barrier around a figure by messing up one thing and then having it be an 
absolute nightmare, like belong in a monster factory. So we we like to think that these are easy, but there might be a reason that they can't implement. Here's a story I got to tell you. This goes back to the, the early parts of Burning Crusade. It's a two-part story. The two, the, these two things happened at the same time, and I was playing a Tauren, so I got to experience one personally. Um, my Tauren warrior, uh, I went through and, and tanked for a friend. I, I, I tanked a week. Back then, when you did a holiday boss, it, was, it didn't have a bag that dropped when you queued up for it. The drops that they had were on them, and you could summon them as many times as you had people who had, could summon. So a five-person group could summon five times, except... If you had a lot of alts on people in that group, they could get on their alts and increase the amount of times your group could summon. Uh, if everybody could change characters at least once, that doubled the amount of summons you could do, and most of the group would get to be there for, for all of the... For, you know what I'm saying? You could get more mm -hmm. shots at the level. If you had a friend who had like 10 characters who were all level 60, or level 70 in this case, you could summon that thing like 20 times. Um, so we, we did a whole bunch of it, and I got the helmet that dropped off of him. Uh, the, the headless, the horseman's helm. It was a really nice DPS hat at the time. And if you were a Tauren, it took up your entire freaking torso. Yeah. Like you looked like you had no neck. You had no head. You were just suddenly now a sneering, screaming, green, green fired fang smiling. That was you. Mm -hmm. You were like Pac-Man. And that was because they got us some numbers wrong on the, on the, the uh, scaling. And it scaled to completely wrap around the entire freaking torso. And it kind of looked cool, but it was definitely not what they'd intended. It was it not intended. <laughs> At the same time, changing something else completely unrelated caused a bug where orc shoulders looked like teeny tiny little shoulders on them. That took them two patches to fix. That was in Burning Crusade, which is, I don't even know how many expansions ago. I want you to think about the added complexity that the game currently has compared to the complexity it had in Burning Crusade when making a small change to something else completely unrelated caused all orc shoulders everywhere to shrink. Yeah. And so orcs were wandering around with tiny little shoulders. They looked ridiculous. It looked like they were wearing like their, your, their kids' armor. And that didn't get fixed for like months. Orcs just had to like put up with it. You couldn't, it's not like you could turn off your shoulders back then. You just had goofy-looking shoulders, and that's what they looked like, and you just had to deal with it. And it's not like you could even switch to a different pair of shoulders, because those shoulders look just as dumb. So whenever anybody says, that's not too hard, or that wouldn't take up too much time, I always remember those orc shoulders. Yep. I remember every sad-looking orc wandering around Orgrimmar like, I look so dumb. And, you know, all their friends would be like, you do, buddy. You do look dumb. But it's not because of your shoulders. It's because you, you, you're hunched over like that. Hopefully someday they'll fix that. Uh, but no, it was the shoulders, and we all knew it was the shoulders. <laughs> and and meanwhile, the Torrents were like, "Look at me! I got no face. <laughs> I just I'm a big daddy from a game that hasn't come out yet. Look at me!" Yeah, the Bioshock was for you. It wasn't it wasn't out for like like what till like 2008, Oh yeah, yeah. Bioshock hadn't even come out yet. So yeah, you you looked like a big daddy as a Torrent, but you you weren't. You just you just had this helmet that covered up your whole chest. And little stuff like that happens all the time. And the more sophisticated, the more complicated a game gets, the the easier it is to just, you know, you're not aware that when they designed this, they they figured out that they could anchor something this way and it would be it would work well enough and nobody was ever going to see this anyway, so it didn't matter. And then, oops, we changed this variable and now everything's broken and we have no idea why. We have to go back into the code and we have to try and figure out, oh, 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 we did that. Oh, wow, okay. Well, I guess we got to fix that now, don't we? So... 
a lot of the stuff they added a lot of they added a lot of customization this expansion they changed a lot of things i think if it were as simple as just flipping on news colors that they would do so as for the weapon restriction thing i would love it if they let night elves use warglaives i think that makes sense yep but then they would like it'd be an advantage in gearing for one race so do you let all elves do it do you let like blood elves and Blood elves have their own version of glaives, man. Just because we don't see very many of them, you see them on the Swordbreaker guys. You can the actually walk around Silvermoon City. Yeah, Spellbreakers have their own version mm-hmm. of a glaive. So do, do blood elves get it? Um, what about Nightborn? Nightborn and, and night elves were the same thing until ten thousand years ago, and they're practically immortal. So it's not like they change a lot. Should they get glaives? And what about void elves? If if blood elves should get them, void elves should get them. They're the same people. So. It gets out of hand pretty fast. If establishing that warglaves are a thing that only demon hunters get, I don't like that decision. But once you've made that decision, I mean, I feel like if you're going to remove that restriction, it should be removed. Yeah. It shouldn't just be removed for night elves or even for elves. Because let's face it, it's not that hard to figure out how to hit somebody with what is essentially a punch weapon with two knives coming out the sides. Mm-hmm. If anything, a warglaive is annoying to use because you'd have to constantly sweep your arms. A straightforward thrust is not going to be very useful with a warglaive unless it's got like a pointy bed at that area. So you're having to swing it around a lot. But th- that's not something that humans should have that hard or hard time with or orcs. Orcs can figure out how to swing things. Orcs are great at figuring out how to swing things. You put a sharp thing in an orc's hand and he will figure out how to kill you with it. He's, it's not like he's going to be like, I don't get it. This this thing is pointy, but it's not pointy the way I'm used to. It's just swing it. Oh, you mean like an axe? I, I know how to do that. Boom. You know, we're done. Uh, so ultimately, in my opinion, if you're going to leave the, if you're going to have warglaves be restricted, you should just leave them restricted. Having them be restricted to demon hunters and night elves. Well, blood elf demon hunters can use warglaves. Why can't they tell... You know, they, they go home to Silvermoon and they see a bunch of blood elves trying to figure out a warglaive going, I have no idea. Like, the middle part. Hold it by the middle part. Thank you, Wandering Demon Hunter. Yeah, Dad, you're welcome. What was that? What was the problem there? So I get what you're saying, but I, I don't think... A, I don't think it's as easy as you think. And B, I definitely think that if you're going to have weapon restrictions lifted, they should just be like, yeah, and and I, would, I would tend to agree with it. I would tend to agree with that. And I think, I think the days of one of the old arguments for having it was PVP and that, uh, having the transmog be, uh, hideable was like a huge advantage. So like people would look and be competitive about what weapons people are, are using at this point in time. I don't know if that's actually the case anymore. Uh, I haven't PVP'd at a competitive level in a very, very long time. But even if it is, then restrict it for PVP. We've seen that mercenary mode can strip you or make you look like whatever you want. If they maybe, instead of the restrictions, take them out and work on maybe stripping the illusion or transmog goes bye-bye when you're in uh, you know, a battleground or PVP. I don't know if there's a really good answer. But again, I also accept that even that solution is probably going to take a team of people a long time to implement correctly. So just, just something to bear in mind. Everything is always easier from us on the outside. Look, um, I think we're buttoned up against time and the last one's a little bit long. Do you want to save that one? Yeah. We'll do that. All right. So I do want to thank you folks for joining us. Blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience.
Thank you very much, Joe. Again, guys, if you have an email for the show or a question for the show, you can send it to us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com, subject line podcast with blizzardwatch, or you can go to our Discord server to the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel or the Q Questions channel um, if you're not a patron, and you can ask it there. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be here next week. 